Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky, and as always, I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hello, Matthew. Hey, Jess. How nice is it to be alive? I started, my tone was like, uh, like we're fighting, you know, we're a divorced oh. couple. Hello. Oh, hello, Matthew. <laughs> oh, that says a lot about me. I just took it <laughs> at your word. You were just greeting me. Yeah. Well, tell Jess, Matt. <laughs> oh, no. To go fuck herself. David. Uh, no. Ah. You look You're still here. unwell. <laughs> Thank you. I don't feel very good. Can I go home? No. Uh, Damn it. Hey, you guys, let's be a little more uh, friendly to each other. This is the most friendly and blissful time of the year. This You're is right. Blovember. I love Blovember. The arse end of Blocktober. <laughs> and that's the good bit. Yeah. Oh, what do you say? You're saying that like you're confused? The arse, of course, is the good bit. Yeah. It's the best bit of anything. You know, if you're having a roast, the people arse. want the rump. Oh, yeah. Can I please have the arse? <laughs> Anyone else? Anyone else? Uh, I'm going to take the arse end here. <laughs> arse end of the pig. That's all mine. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Now, for people who don't know what uh, Blovember is or what Blocktober is, Matt, what are we doing here? Well, it's, it's all started a few years ago where we wanted to do a month of the biggest blockbusterist topics of the year. These are the topics that were suggested by the most people. We put them all into a massive poll and then everyone got to vote, uh, all listeners, and we had thousands of votes and now we're counting down the top nine for 2022 and we are up to the third most voted for topic in history <laughs> history Whoa. of 2022, of 2022 on this show so we're on the podium now that's right we've already had some epic big topics but i can only imagine what is going to be the third most voted for for 2022 bronze Pe- medal 
People's yeah. uh, block trees are starting to wilt. Mm. We're getting to the end of the run here. That's right. Topher Grace is feeling tired. He's not allowed to sleep during <laughs> block Topher Grace period. Some people have started to take down their block decorations. Yeah, too early. Too early. Too early. Yeah. Come Commit. Put them back up, you dogs. How weird. It'd be like taking down the Christmas wreath. Mm-hmm. Mid-December? Yeah. Are you losing your minds? <laughs> that would be absolute mayhem. Get your chaos. block trees back up. Are you up. a Grinch? Yeah. Block Grinch? Are you a Blinch? Blinch. <laughs> you bloody Blinch. Uh, and, but just more broadly than just block, Jess, how does this show do go on work? Well, one of the three of us, Matt, Dave and me, Jess, we take it in turns um, researching a topic usually suggested by our listeners. We bring it back to the other two. We tell them all about it. We we learn, we laugh, we live, we yalumba. Ah. Uh, it is Matt's turn this week to tell us uh, a little ditty. Oh. <laughs> Why nobody lets me talk this long. Five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> Is Yalumba the goon company? Yeah. Okay. It was, the, the slogan was like, live, laugh, Yalumba. Oh, that's awful or awesome. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, and we, we usually start with a question. Matt, do you have a question? I do have a question. My question is, what is the spookiest cleaning implement? Spookiest? Yeah. Uh, vacuum. Oh, yeah. A dog, robot vacuum. Dog dogs hate, hate them. Oh, that's, that's true. My terrifying. dog actually loves a vacuum. Really? Yeah, he gets really excited when I get the vacuum out. It's very cute. He puts uh, peanut butter on the vacuum. And um, what else? <laughs> it's not that. What else do you think it might be? A feather duster. Ooh. You're getting closer. Broom. Now. Yes, correct. What? Spooky. Brooms are spooky. You don't think brooms are spooky? Who yeah. rides on a broom? <gasps> witches. And that's the topic this week, the night witches. Oh. Well, if, if witches weren't spooky enough for you, yeah, at we're taking time. them at nine. It's oh, sort yeah, of like a the- witch down the shop uh, doing her grocery shopping, whatever, not spooky. Yeah, who yeah. cares? What if she's getting basil? Yeah, Glinda's a day you- witch. Yeah, do your life. Uh, do your life. <laughs> who's the green witch? Uh, Glinda and... and the, the wicked one. Yeah. She's a night witch. It's weird to see her out in the day. Sort of like an owl. Anyway, this, this is gonna drive me insane. Well, like an Esmeralda type. No, thing. Yeah, it's I've seen Wicked three times. Fuck. It's have a, you really? Is that yeah. too many times? So has yep. it on in, average in the three countries. of us have seen Wicked once each? Thank you. Great. I don't have to see it now. Uh, this topic, while you're looking it up, Jess, was suggested by Katie in the USA, Duncan Moran from Edinburgh in Scotland, Luke Parker from London, Carl Stevens from Hailsham Alphabet. in the UK. Alphaba. Alphaba. Sorry for interrupting you. I could have waited. Uh, the common name Alphaba. Alphaba. That's bad writing. Sorry. Uh, this topic was also suggested by Alphaba from the West. <laughs> no offense. Luke Park from London. Carl Stevens from Hailsham, UK. Benjamin W. Hunt from Orville, Ohio. God's country. Jamie Alcantara from London. Marcus Brisman from Gothenburg in Sweden. Kayla. Hodkowitz from Tom's River in New Jersey in the US, McKenna Middlebrook from Schenectady, New York, James Deeney from Dublin, Ross Smith from Glen Gormley in Northern Ireland, Claire Norris from West Sacramento in California, Amanda Lissant Clayton from Kensington, Melbourne, Australia. She was the last one. I should have said an and before her. Wow. McKenna Middlebrook's come up a couple of times in block, I'm sure of it. I feel like McKenna just, he like suggests, Topics that get done on wow. the regular. Yeah. Great suggester. Well done. He also just has a very memorable name. McKenna Middlebrook. McKenna Middlebrook. God, that is good. Great There's name. Those are varying locations there too. Across the world. Love mm. that. That's right. And did you catch where McKenna's from? Where? 
Middle Shinnickety. Oh, oh, yes. Shinnickety. which is, can't be a real place. But anyway, let us begin. This, uh, let's kick it off with a, a few words from Eric Grundhauser, writing for Vanity Fair. In the Nazi-occupied Soviet Union, German soldiers had a very real fear of witches, namely the night witches, an all-female squadron of bomber pilots who ran thousands of daring bomber raids with little more than wooden planes and the cover of night. And broomsticks, I assume. Yeah, well, are you familiar with the night witches? Not at all. I no. didn't know about them at all either. What? So, they're, yeah, they're kind of a, a quite a... I mean, until recent years, it seems like they're getting written about more now, but um, for a long time, they were sort of just not really spoken about for some reason, sort of forgotten the history a little bit. Wow. On June the 22nd, 1941, nearly two years after World War Two began, Nazi Germany launched... Operation Barbarossa. You familiar with Operation Barbarossa? Yes, I am. This is when they uh, decided to take on the Soviets. That's right. They went on an all-out campaign. Which I think not end well for them. Okay, interesting. All right, it's a hot take. Okay, so you don't think the Nazis won? Uh, Let's find out. Okay. (laughs) According to Britannica... For the campaign against the Soviet Union, the Germans allotted almost 150 divisions containing a total of about 3 million men. This is just for one campaign. They're already fighting a war on other fronts. Yeah, and they're like, let's just take 3 million people away from there and we'll march into Russia at the beginning of winter. What? (laughs) Yeah, so the, the timing was slightly delayed and unfortunately it ended up uh, the winter came a little early, so things didn't go great for Hitler. It was a shame. You know? Unfortunately. It was due a bit of luck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in total, the Barbarossa force had about 3,000 tanks, 7,000 artillery pieces, and 2,500 aircraft. It was, in effect, the largest and most powerful invasion force in human history. The invasion along an 1,800-mile or 2,900-kilometer front took the Soviet leadership completely by surprise and caught the Red Army in an unprepared and partially demobilized state. I should say, by the way, I was only joking there about Hitler. I think he was a real bitch. You should say that, yeah. He was a dog. A dog um, bitch. He was like, I don't want to talk in too strong a terms, but he was a bit of a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to beep some of those words? I probably should. I'm feeling a little PO'd, just thinking back. What does that mean? Pissed off. <laughs> Don't make me talk like this. Another whisper beep that? Another few beeps, yeah. Beep, beep. Beep, beep, beep. Uh, but like Dave says, it didn't end well for him, Jess. I know you're not a you're not a big history buff. No, I don't get it. But he ended up shooting himself in the face. <laughs> okay. Does that make you <laughs> On purpose. It wasn't an accident. <laughs> a horrible mishap. He'd fallen over. <laughs> Which oh, no. I think would have been way better. <laughs> is- I wish that happened a few, early, you know, maybe 10, 20 years earlier. That would have Man, been that sick, been- actually. <laughs> we, you never know. That might have happened to some other Hitler. In a parallel universe. That they accidentally shot themselves in the face before they became a despot or whatever he was. Is that the right word? I don't know. Dictator. Yeah, but that wouldn't have been funny for the people because they wouldn't know. They wouldn't know, exactly. They'd be like, oh, what a horrible tragedy. It's like what people always talk about with the kid going back to kill baby Hitler. When you go back, it just to everyone else, it just looks like killing you're a killing baby. a baby. Killing a baby, yeah. yeah. That's but, not cool. No. Not cool to kill baby Hitler? No. Okay. Oh, no, babies. Right. Not cool to kill babies. Yeah, yeah, okay. Leave babies alone. Yeah. <laughs> Gone to a weird place early. Um. <laughs> so, yeah, so huge uh, contingent marches into or and flies 
and you know and tanks tanks taking <laughs> rolls along. in horses uh gallops okay submarining probably. yeah crossland In short, the Soviets were under the pump. And this is the backdrop the Soviet leadership faced when the Night Witches were born. According to Bryn Holland, writing for History.com, using female bombardiers wasn't a first choice. While women had been previously barred from combat, the pressure of an encroaching enemy gave Soviet leaders a reason to rethink the policy. It's either women or toddlers. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, and we we're, toss out, a coin? we're out of toddlers. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bombardier is a fun word, oh, isn't it? I love yeah, Bombardier. Really That's right up there. Pompadour, Bombardier. These are oh. some of the creme de la creme of oh, words. These words. A few months after Hitler's invasion of the Soviet Union began, the Germans were pressing on Moscow. So they they were making pretty quick work of it early. Leningrad was also under siege and the Red Army was struggling. The Soviets were desperate. The squadron was the brainchild of Marina Raskova, known as the Soviet Amelia Earhart. Famous not only as the first female navigator in Soviet Air Force, but also for her many long-distance flight records. She was a badass. Awesome. Uh, so who was Raskova? Well, according to thefemalesoldier.com, Marina Raskova was a Soviet pilot, navigator, and commander. Born in 1912 to a middle-class Russian family, Raskova initially had aspirations of becoming a musician, but eventually abandoned the idea to study chemistry. While working in a dye factory as a chemist, she met Sergei Raskov, an engineer who she married and had a daughter with. I think this was like when she was like 18 or something. Wow. She changed careers in 1931. Uh, I think she was like 1920 when she joined the Aerodynamic Navigation Lab of the Soviet Air Force as a draftswoman. In 1933, she became the first female navigator in the Air Force and the following year became the first woman to teach at the Zugovsky Air Academy. In 1935, she divorced from her husband and focused on her flying career. She I'm became... leaving you for a plane. <laughs> yeah. She became a famous pilot as well as a navigator, setting a number of long-distance records, including the famous flight of the Redina. I've, it just feels like... Whoa. Remember uh, earlier in Block, I told the story of the Dole Air Race? Yeah. This is an American race that happened, you know... In her lifetime, uh, while um, only a few years before she started flying, but in that race, the only woman involved went along basically as a mascot, yeah, and that was seen her. as being like very progressive. Yeah. But over in Russia, women are, are pilots and flying and teaching flying. Honestly, it, my first thought when I was like, she, "Okay, she's married, but she's had a career change," because in that sort of time, you didn't work if you got married. Yeah. So I'm like, she's working and she's like, she's a badass. Like, what what she's doing is really cool. And it just feels like, yeah, the 30s in Russia or the Soviet, I, yeah, I don't know. It was, I found a lot of this surprising. But, you wow. know, yeah, yeah, sometimes think of, uh, of uh, progression as linear. But it doesn't necessarily get people gain and lose rights over time. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the article, uh, so, yeah, mentioned there the flight of the Rodina, which I'll talk about now. It uh, was a record-breaking non-stop aeroplane flight covering 6,000 kilometers from Moscow to Komsomolsk in a twin-engine ANT-37 named Rodina. That's where it got its name. I know Dave's no thinking no relation, but there is a relation here. <laughs> Not a coincidence. Uh, the crew was three Russian women, Raskova, as well as Polina Osipenko and Valentina Grizadobova. 
according to George Tippin Wilson, writing for the Warfare History Network, Raskifer was the crew's navigator, not a licensed pilot at the time. As the Rodina was nearing the end of its fuel supply, the women began to jettison the plane's furnishing to coax extra miles from the engine and make certain they were setting a new distance record. Whoa. What are they throwing out? Couches. Chairs, couches, (laughs) uh, the bar fridge. Yeah. (laughs) The wine fridge. We're not going to need this bath. The uh, full set of weights. Yeah. (laughs) Quite heavy. Dumbbells, barbells. Spare plane. Ditch that. Get it out. We don't need it. <laughs> uh, they then flew into a blinding snowstorm. Since they had thrown everything movable overboard, Raskova, deeming herself as the most expendable, donned a parachute and exited the plane in a brave and selfless move to ensure the record was set. No way. In a snowstorm. In a snowstorm, she's like, well, we need, we'll get a few extra miles if I jump out. You don't need me. I'm just a navigator. There's two of you. You got this. I'll just jump out here, wherever this is. <laughs> it's been an honor. Who wrote? She wandered around the wilderness for several days before finding the plane and her comrades. According to thefemalesoldier.com, she survived with no water and almost no food for 10 days what? before she found her way to the landing site and reunited with her team. All 10 days? Th- isn't that hectic? What? All three women were decorated with the Hero of the Soviet Union Award, the first women to ever receive it. Uh, it's like one of the very top honours. And, they, you know, we're talking, wow. this is the 1930s. Wow. The plane was in a Siberian swamp on the Manchurian border after their 26-hour and 29-minute flight ended in a crash landing in the area. So it was, it was you know, a similar kind of time to that Dole air race. Uh, and like the... The lone wolf, they crashed into a swamp. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, that's right. They they got a little bit further. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> His swamp was next to the runway. Yeah. Theirs was 6,000 miles away. <laughs> um, yeah, and obviously both both flights were tough conditions. One over an ocean that had never been or rarely been crossed. But this one through snowstorms. I mean, he didn't get to the ocean. He crashed <laughs> into the field next to the runway. <laughs> yeah, 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 fair call. <laughs> Um, look, I want to give the, give him a chop out. The old lone, 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 the lone he, yeah, wolf. Yeah, exactly. His flight was also perilous if he'd made it. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> if, he'd, if he'd taken off, it would have been scary. <laughs> a similar length to, uh, dis, uh, time to the ones who did make it, I should <laughs> yeah, yeah, say. Yeah, to the ones who did make it. Amazing achievement. But the guy who crashed twice, <laughs> not so good. According to Wilson, by the following week, Soviet Premier Joseph Stalin had added his congratulations to those of the world. He noted that the 4,036-mile nonstop flight was longer than Charles Lindbergh's transatlantic flight and far exceeded any nonstop aerial journey made by women at that point. Wilson continues, In Moscow later that month, Lazar M. Kaganovich, the, com- uh, the commissar of heavy industry, faded the trio at a glittering reception. Apparently inspired by the war clouds gathering over Europe, Commissar Kaganovich remarked that if the Soviet Union is attacked, quote, we have flyers who can chase the enemy back to his own territory, referencing the, the three heroes here. Wow. One wonders if the commissar realized just how prophetic his words would turn out to be. Oh, wow. The next day, at another reception for the three, Stalin appeared to put a stop to any more record-breaking quests. While he was stoked with the record-breaking flight, he was saddened by the recent death of another aviator on a, on a different record attempt uh, from the last couple of weeks, saying, the government, probably saying this in Russian, Okay, but But, tell it to us in English because my Russian's a little rusty. Okay, (laughs) rusty. Um, (laughs) 
The government will be extremely severe henceforth toward permitting record-setting flights. The lives of the pilots are more precious to us than any records, no matter how great or renowned they may be. Mm. So he's basically going, no more of this. No well, life is worth it. Ah, uh, Raskovar is... must have been like, but I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I, I jumped out into a snowstorm. I disagree. Like I'd say keep chasing those titles. Yeah. Fuck your life. But that was, she She was like, all right, you know, we, won't, we won't do that anymore. Fair but, but is the plan there like, we don't want you to do it in case you die, but if you do do it, you will be punished with death. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a fair yeah, system. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. By this time, Raskova was already known throughout Russia for her heroic flying exploits. And when war broke out, the women of the Soviet Union were flooding her letterbox, putting themselves forward to join the war effort. They were looking for her to help put their names forward. They'd sort of been sidelined. They're like, you know, Stalin. Yeah, come on. Get in his Have ear, a would word. you? Yeah. According to the female soldier, while there were no formal restrictions on Soviet women in the military, many found their applications were denied or mysteriously delayed. Back to Holland. Seeing an opportunity, Raskova petitioned Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin to let her form an all-female fighting squadron. On October the 8th, 1941, Stalin gave orders to deploy three all-female Air Force units. The women would not only fly missions and drop bombs they would return fire, making the Soviet Union the first nation to officially allow women to engage in combat. Previously, women could help transfer planes and ammunition, after which the men took over. <laughs> so, yeah, this one Thanks, is... Thanks, love. A- I'll take it from here. I've got it. Yeah, I'll take I this. Why. I wonder what the reasoning behind not letting women be in combat... It was just... I think it was just old school thinking women shouldn't be in the front lines. You but know, like, this is a man's job. Get them angry. <laughs> You're fucked. You know what I mean? That enemy. <laughs> yeah, the, there's one of the, the night witches I mentioned later was motivated by revenge. Perfect. Yeah, That's the best thing to be motivated by, I reckon. Oh, yeah. Uh, according to the Wright Museum of World War II, the three all-women fighting group Stalin authorised were the 586th Fighter Aviation Regiment, the 587th Bomber Aviation Regiment, and the 588th Night Bomber Aviation Regiment. After the training, the pilots deemed most qualified were assigned to the 586th Fighter Aviation Regiment, the second most qualified to the 587th Bomber Aviation Regiment, and the least qualified to the 588th Night Bomber Aviation Regiment. But in a unique twist of fate, the least qualified became the most feared and famous. Oh. Right. The they don't know how to land a plane, so they will crash it into you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, uh, and, and these names did, uh, if, if people are looking into these stories, these uh, regiment names did change in time, but uh, which confused me for a while. Right. I'm like, wait, why is the information so inconsistent? But I think they were renamed. Okay. But I'm just going to keep calling them the 588th. Yeah, sure. Or just the Night Witches. Just for nice and, just to be nice and clear. Chosen to lead the 588th was Yevdokia Bershanskaya. Uh, she was born on the 6th of Feb, 1913, in modern-day Russia. After graduating from secondary school, she studied at the Batask School of Pilots in 1931. After graduating, she worked as a trainer there for the next eight years before being appointed as commander of the 218th Special Operations Aviation Squadron. So she's studying at the School of Pilots in 1931, four years after the Dole Air Race in America. Yeah. 
When the 588th was formed, she got the gig of leading the regiment due to her 10 years of flying experience. I should say, who, which one of you did the Amelia Earhart episode? Jess. <laughs> when, when was... I had to look at Dave. I was like, Dave will know. I'm talking about it like America was behind on this stuff, but when did Amelia Earhart, when was her sort of... Well, Jess will answer this, having done the report. <laughs> and I'll just uh, go and have a look at that report now. In my, I I don't remember. Nah, she was she was um. So her final flight was in 1937, by the looks of it. So she was she was also flying in the in the 30s. So I think things just came on quickly with all of all of the flying stuff. Yeah. Uh, especially in the big powers around that time. According to Grundhauser, the 588th was also the only one of the three units that remained exclusively female where everyone from the pilots to the commanders to the mechanics were women. The regiment began filling out in 1942, with young women ranging in age from 17 to 26. This feels right that you're doing this as the feminist of the podcast. Because this is, like, this is really cool and quite groundbreaking for the time. All women mechanics and the whole team, that's great. When I say, I, I'm not sure how to feel about it, so yeah. I need you to explain to me. Well, because and, and earlier I said it, I was surprised by some of this stuff. I shouldn't. I don't mean surprised that the women are up to it. Of course not. <laughs> Certainly not. I was surprised that the men in power allowed it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The men are the problem. That's what I'm saying as a feminist. <laughs> I hate myself <laughs> and Dave, but I love you, Jess. <laughs> Dave, anything to add? It's all fair, isn't it? And do you love me, Dave? Yeah, I love women okay. in general. Love supporting them. Because, like, honestly, how hot are women? Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> how hot are women? Uh, welcome to new listeners. Um, <laughs> some baffling, uh, baffling takes in jokes there. here. Okay, yeah. so so, uh, so the 17 to 26-year-olds. So they're all, you know, they're young. quite young. Um, and they all uh, headed to the small town of Angles to begin flight training. The future pilots were greeted by Raskova herself with a no-nonsense military manner. One of the women who signed up was 19-year-old Nadezja or Nad- Nadja Popova. I'm like some. I apologize for all these. Uh, I think you're doing great. Thank you, uh, Popova. <laughs> Popova. Popova, who volunteered after her brother was killed in battle, she was motivated by revenge. Love it. I love that. According to the Moscow Times, she became one of the best and one of the luckiest. Sweet combo to have. Mm. Born December 17, 1921, in what is now the Ukraine, Popova planned to become a teacher or a doctor until one day a plane landed near her home and she met the pilot. And this is a quote from Popova uh, that was published in a book called A Dance with Death. I had thought only gods could fly. It was amazing to me that a simple man could get in a plane and fly away. <laughs> and here he was, the simplest man I ever met. God, he was dim. <laughs> I met him. Couldn't, yeah, it was I like talking him. to a bloody brick. Oh, my God. They let, sorry. nothing between the ears. They let you fly that? Wow, if he can do it, anyone Honestly, can. Honestly, I could do it, and I'm a little girl. <laughs> Give us a go. I'm a child. I don't even have, I haven't fully developed my fine motor skills that I could do it. This guy's an idiot. (laughs) According to Emily Langer, writing for the Washington Post, Popova joined a flying club and later graduated from an aviation school. When the war started, she was working as an instructor. 
She said that she decided to join the military after losing her brother and after watching Germans abuse her townspeople. So she's like, fuck these guys. Yeah, I'm in. Uh, This is a quote from her. I saw the German aircraft flying along our roads filled with people who were leaving their homes, firing at them with their machine guns. Seeing this gave me feelings inside that made me want to fight them. According to Holland... From more than 2,000 applications, she selected around 400 women for each of the three units, most being students. Uh, When I say she selected them, this is Raskova. They underwent a highly... Sounds like they had a pretty good chance of getting in there. 2,000, 400 for each, 1,200 made it, if you didn't make it. Yeah, those numbers are... Yeah, that's not bad. (laughs) That's pretty good. I I mean, like like a lot of these sort of reports, the numbers vary. I've saw like way less than that, you know, in the tens. And then, anyway, so it's hard to know for sure, but I did see 400 in a few times, so I'm going with that. And Holland, you know, Holland right, writes for... Holland wouldn't lie. Holland. Are you, wait, are you calling Holland a liar? No, I'm saying they wouldn't lie. Uh, Jess, Holland wouldn't lie. She's writing for history.com. Yeah. Not fictiontime.org. Yeah, agreed. Love, love that website, though. <laughs> it's really, great. I mean, it's a great really website. Fictiontime.org. Yeah. On my homepage. <laughs> Start my day with a bit of fiction. Yeah. Uh, Holland continues, they underwent a highly compressed education, expected to learn in a few months what it took most soldiers several years to grasp. Each recruit had to train and perform as pilots, navigators, maintenance, and ground crew. Beyond their steep learning curve, the women faced skepticism from some of the male military personnel who believed they added no value to the combat effort. Raskova did her best to prepare her women for these attitudes, but they still faced sexual harassment. According to Steve Prowse, author of The Night Witches, the men didn't like the little girls going to the front line. It was a man's thing. (laughs) As well as getting bad attitudes from the male soldiers, the new recruits also received their hand-me-downs. The military was not prepared for women pilots, so they were given uniforms and boots that were often too big. Mm, Like putting on your boyfriend's jumper or something. But they'd look cute. (laughs) Love that messy bun, oversized shirt, no pants. Do you also uh, put on, is it also cute to put on your boyfriend's ill-fitting underwear? Yes! Because that's what they were also given. It's cute. Why can't they just wear their own underwear? Why does it have to be military military underwear? Also, I find it pretty funny when the men are like, oh, the ladies shouldn't go to the front line. That's a man's job. But it's like they're, okay, so going to the front means you might die. You'll probably die. Um, I'd be like, anybody else can go. Absolutely, of course. You want to go? Have a cr- Please, uh, before me, please. You know? And just them doing it, doesn't that prove that, that what you're saying isn't true? They're already they're, they're they're here already doing there. it. So. That's a man's job that you're doing quite well over there, toots. It sounds like as they, they trained and, and whatnot, they won a lot of them over, but there was remaining sexism throughout. But, you know. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. But, uh, Sorry, I've grown up in a world without it, so I can't even picture what that might be like. Yeah, it is. Well, I know. To you, this is sounding like made up I mean, stuff.org. These women <laughs> flew. Second the site. These women flew so that I could soar. You know yeah. what I mean? Because you go to the front line every day now. Every day. People say, Welcome to the front line, Jess. No one bats an eyelid Nobody when you go to the front line. cares that I'm there. <laughs> and I, I rock up for my shift on the front line. Yeah, you pop in, pop out. <laughs> According to Prowse, they had to tear up their bedding and stuff them in their boots to get them to fit. Just, I'd BYO boots. Honestly, at this point, I'm wearing my own undies and don't worry, I've got some boots that fit me. Yeah, let us know ahead before we get here. Yeah, let me know what to pack. 
underwear, some shoes. All right, no problem. Are you going to provide some some pants and a top? Great, thanks heaps. I'll bring. I'll BYO shoes. <laughs> Back to Holland. Their equipment wasn't much better than their clothes. The military provided them with outdated Polikopov PO2 biplanes, 1920s crop dusters that had been used as training vehicles. These are already out of date. Yeah, right. Like well out of date. You know, they're already over 20 years old or something. Yeah. Uh, like you have an 89 Barina. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> figure out how to fly. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any tanks left, uh, but here's a Mazda 2. <laughs> It does not have uh, power steering, so it will give you the same sort of feel as a tank. <laughs> it's, you know, it's zippy. <laughs> I imagine t- the tanks it's zippy have, as a tank. Do tanks have power steering? Oh, they must. They should, right? Yeah. They're oh, so they simply big. Must. They've got great turning circles, so <laughs> I'm sure they do. These light two-seater open cockpit planes were never meant for combat. Made out of plywood with canvas pulled over, the aircraft offered virtually no protection from the elements or bullets. Oh, my God. So, they're like on the Wright Brothers plane flying yeah. over the wall. Stop. Stop. I'm here. <laughs> Stop oh. it. Stop it at once. They're so flying like, so low they can just slap yeah, us. Drop a bag of marbles on someone. <laughs> <laughs> flying at night, pilots endured freezing temperatures, wind and frostbite. In the harsh Soviet winters, the planes became so cold, just touching them would rip bare skin off. Oh, my goodness. Due to both the plane's limited weight capacity and the military's limited funds, the pilots also lacked other luxury items. Luxury in quotation marks. Oh, there's the bar fridge gone. Here from Holland. Uh, <laughs> uh, saying, uh, instead of parachutes, which were too heavy to carry, <laughs> or radar, guns and radios, mm-hmm. they were forced to use more rudimentary tools such as rulers, stopwatches, flashlights, pencils, maps and compasses. I don't know which one of those were replacing the guns, which one were replacing the parachutes. Here's <laughs> a map. We're going down. Grab the ruler. <laughs> there, was, there was some upside to the older aircraft. Their maximum speed was slower than the stall speed of the Nazi planes, which meant these wooden planes, ironically, could maneuver faster than the enemy, making them hard to target. They also could easily take off and land from most locations. But the downside... If they happen to be hit by tracer bullets, which carry a pyrotechnic charge, their wooden planes would burst into flames. It's a bit of a downside. It is a bit of a downside. They put it out with the ruler. <laughs> Other negatives of the lightweight nature of the planes meant they couldn't carry many bombs at a time. I saw some saying they could carry six at a time. A few others said only two, one under each wing. So do you mean water bombs? <laughs> no, they, they're like proper bricks. bombs. They would just oh. throw bricks. Explosive bricks. Briquettes. Briquettes, thank you. And they'd you. light them just before dropping them off. No, they were just smaller bricks for ladies' hands. <laughs> oh, I can't hold one big brick. Even with less bombs, their weight meant they had to fly at lower altitudes, which was also good for, you know, the fact that they didn't have parachutes if they had to yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, out. we're only a metre off the ground. <laughs> uh, this made them easier targets for the Germans, which is why they only flew at night. Mm. At the peak of the squadron, up to 42 women crews would be sent out on bombing raids each night. To get off a meaningful amount of bombs, the teams would complete between 8 and 18 missions a night, returning to rearm themselves between each mission. It was an exhausting schedule. Like, each one might take 40-odd minutes, and it's just non-stop. Go, come back, refuel, reload, go, come back. And they'd, wait, they'd be out waiting for night to fall. 
And then when the sun started coming up, that was the end of the day. According to the Wright Museum... That's of confusing. W- of- <laughs> yeah. According the to start the- of the day was the end of the day, Dave. Okay. All right. New day starts, day over. Okay. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> you see the sun come up, time to go home. Not night. Good night. 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 <laughs> it's night time. It's night time. <laughs> Night's over, night time. <laughs> Do I have to explain what's happening? <laughs> oh, these women. <laughs> According to the Wright Museum of World War II, the 588th had to operate very close to enemy lines, constantly moving operations during the day so the women could fight at night. Because of their combat schedule, the women slept and trained during the day and flew during the night. Understandably, they didn't get a lot of sleep, but neither did the German units nearby that had to be prepared for nighttime air raids. The psychological effect of the night witch raids took a toll on the German troops. When interviewed by NBC many years after the war, Irina Rakobolskaya, chief of staff for the night witches, said, quote, One girl managed to fly seven times to the front line and back in her plane. She would return shaking and they would hang new bombs, refuel her plane, and she'd go off to bomb the target again. This is how we worked. Can you imagine? No. Just <laughs> it's wild. Just hectic, hectic, hectic. And it like that that example seven, I heard, you know, up to eighteen in a night, which is If we have a day where we record two episodes of the podcast, mm-hmm. I'm exhausted. I go home, I lie on my bed for a bit just to you know, just to recharge a little bit. I'm mm. so tired. Yeah, I should. I, that reminds me. Uh, people should listen. Dave and I did a big a day of recording recently. What a podcast we do! Plumbing the Death Star. Yep. Thumb cramps. They're two Sands Pants Radio ones, and then Dave went home after two. Lay down I, on Jess's bed. Had a recharge. <laughs> I hang hung around. Did a, a Who Knew It with Matt Stewart and a Primates. So they're all with uh, the Sands Pants guys, and um, yeah, it was too many. That's too many. That's psychotic. <laughs> that was yesterday, and now you're doing this. Yeah, I was writing this report in between recordings. That's fucking so. I live to pod. <laughs> Your lumber. Your lumber. <laughs> <laughs> live to pod. Your lumber. <laughs> I'm just saying. Seven, 18 trips back and forth in the in a war zone in freezing conditions in a tiny little shitty plane. That is... Yeah, it's badass. We're just not built is. the same. But you're forgetting that a lot of these women uh-huh. are motivated by revenge. Yeah, that's right. true. You're up there freezing. The only thing keeping you warm, that's revenge. Spite. Yep. Yeah. yeah I'm, not, I'm not podcasting out of revenge. The cold actually helps because it is a dish best served that way. Uh, According to the Wright Museum of World War II, each flight was extremely dangerous because the Germans surrounded what they thought would be likely targets with concentric circles of spotlight and flak guns that the night witches would have to fly through to reach their targets. So the the Germans knew what they were up to. It was like a game of cat and mouse every day. They knew they were coming. They're trying to guess... And they would often guess, you know, close. And they light light them up in the sky yeah, and then light them up with bullets. Exactly. So that was, um, so they're like, oh, well, how do we deal with this? And they devised a strategy to foil the Germans. They would fly in groups of three, three planes. Uh, when they neared their target, two planes would fly through the circles and then veer off in different directions, which caused the searchlights and flak guns to target them. So it sort of uh, split them up yep. a bit. Then the third pilot, uh, the third plane would fly towards the objective. When the navigator tapped her on the shoulder, she would kill the engine and drift near silently towards the target, 
with only the faint whooshing sound of wind through the struts signaling their impending attack. Oh, my God. This whooshing sound was said to sound like a broom (gasps) sweeping. Uh, (laughs) Then the navigator would drop her bombs and the pilot, hopefully, would restart the engine and fly off. The three planes would switch places until they dropped all of their bombs and then return to the base for more. That's so good. That is so good. Okay, can we ask Matt, what would that sound like, them switching the engine off okay. and then the bombs being dropped? So the engine's on at the start? Yep. <laughs> I, don't think he, I don't think he's ever used a broom. <laughs> Well, here come the bombs. They said it's a whooshing sound. Yeah, but it's such a gentle brute. Like no wonder nothing's getting done in that house if you sweep it at that speed. I used to, I used to broom for a living when I was a, tro- a trolley boy at the supermarket. That was one of my duties. Oh, you're a trolley boy or a broom boy? Yeah, I know. Okay, now the bombs <laughs> dropping from the whooshing. That gentle, gentle whooshing. Oh, what's that? It's mosquito. Well, it's getting closer. Oh no, louder! Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, night witches! <laughs> they whoosh away. So yeah, so the 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 Germans apparently that they heard this whooshing sound, and when they heard it, they basically shat themselves. Whoa. They're like, oh fuck! It's like it was so eerie, and they're like, we know what that sound means. It just sounds like it would have been horrible. Um, and this is why the Germans nicknamed them the Nachthexen. Or Night Witches. God, that's such an amazing title. What is it? Nacht Hexen. Wow. That is good. I'm probably not saying that right, Dave. Well, you're a German man. Or German. You've got German in you. That's right. And you never forget, even if you've never learned. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, yeah, I guess the, the, they've, they've gone from broom sounds. I'm, I'm not sure. It feels like maybe it, it definitely was the Germans being pejorative when they're calling them Night Witches. Uh, but apparently the pilots of the 588th quickly took it on with pride. Yeah, nice. They're like, yeah, we're not witches. Yeah, I love that. Nacked Hexen, that's fucking Fuck badass. Yeah. Yeah, like, Thank oh, you. Oh, the Nacked Hexen. Thank you for that sick nickname. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. We were looking for something. We want to get matching tats. Don't you reckon that, that sounds like they've done that in reverse? So saying, oh, no, we just called them that because of the, the whooshing sound. It's not because it was women flying at yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, couldn't have been that. Uh, according to Prowse, the whooshing sound was the only warning the Germans had. The planes were too small to show up on radar or on infrared locators. They never used radio, so radio locators couldn't pick them up either. They were basically ghosts. They didn't use radios because they weren't given any. <laughs> a lot of the, like they made a lot of negatives into positives. Right. Uh, the Germans had two theories about why these women were so successful. Firstly, they were all criminals who were masters at stealing and had been sent to the front line as punishment, or they had been given special injections that allowed them to see in the night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a couple of pretty... <laughs> I think it's both. Yeah, they're both true. Yeah, that's the weird thing. It's not one or the other Nazis, okay? It's both. Sometimes it can be both. They're thieves... With injections. So because they're With such, cat eyes. But what's the theory? They're such good thieves. That's why they're such good pilots. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, that's not, they're not interchangeable skills. Yeah. Well, the Germans didn't know that back then. True. Yeah, I well, was thinking with today's brain. Yeah, you're right. Try and think with a 1940s Nazi brain. Of course, yeah. I try. I try. <laughs> it's hard to get in the mindset. It is Got to tell you. Yeah, it is tough. Popova. 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 Popover. 
<laughs> that's what you said the first time and I made pop me pop over. Pop over. Pop over for a cup of tea. Why not? I pop over, uh, talked about this rumor of them being able to see in the dark in Albert Axel's book, Greatest Russian War Stories, saying, this was nonsense, of course. What we did have were clever, educated, very talented girls. Who could see in the dark. <laughs> and were Who thieves. ate their veggies. Remember carrots make you see in the That's dark. That's right. Yes. Uh, they were also tough as nails, as Popova later discussed, saying, when the wind was strong, it would toss the plane. In winter... When you'd look out to see your target better, you got frostbite. Our feet froze in our boots, but we carried on flying. If you give up, nothing is done, and you are not a hero. As I, I'd be giving up. I'm okay with not being a hero. Great. I'm not a hero and I'm fine. I'm all right. Yeah, I've got a warm bed. My feet uh, aren't frozen off. Cowardly warm bed. Del- yeah, great. Cowardly unfrozen feet. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Great. I'll happily be a coward. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, what they went through was awful. Uh, but there was a world war on, and and their country had been invaded. Hmm. I reckon you'd you'd jump to action. If- no, I just don't think I would. I'd be like, take me as a POW. <laughs> Let's go. I don't wanna. I don't think that's sucks. as good as probably what you've heard. <laughs> you might be getting a few of those things anyway. I don't know. I mean, it depends on who's. Maybe they'll be. Maybe they'll be like, hey. We look after our POWs, whoever yeah. this this uh, regime taking us down. Yeah, true. Maybe they're like, hey, actually, we were hoping uh, that our prison camps are a little uh, little glum. Do you reckon you could do some yeah, maybe radio, could... put on some tunes for people? Oh, you could like, judge them up a bit. I'm like, you know what? I actually have the skill set for that, yes. We could give you a little grant, <laughs> set you up. And we're so sorry about the state of the place. The pool is getting clean tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, Popova was that, you know, badass, but she saw some horrible things. As Langer wrote, once Popova watched four planes crash carrying eight women to their deaths, saying, what a nightmare. Poor girls, my friends. Only yesterday we had slept in the bunks together. This is her talking years later. I don't know why she said yesterday. <laughs> Popova remarked that perhaps she was born lucky. One time she counted 42 bullet holes in her plane. Catch her, my dear, she said to her navigator. We will live long. She's like, Whoa. I'm like, we're lucky. I'm feeling good about this. There's another famous story about another night witch pilot who lost the bottom of her plane to enemy fire but kept on flying and she returned home safe. She was just, her feet, her legs were just running underneath. <laughs> yeah, like literally her feet were dangling out of the bottom. <laughs> she, she landed Fred Flintstone style. <laughs> she had to put her heels down yeah. to slow the plane down. How did she land? I guess she pulled up her feet. Well, that's crazy. That's a good question. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. i got to get something off my chest. Okay. I ate 
your last biscuit. I was that saving has been, them for my wedding. That has been stress. <laughs> that has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. I feel a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can uh, affect people negatively, and that had been affecting me. And that feel that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah. it was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit he, that he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> That is upsetting to hear, but I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills, learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash D-G-O. Uh, in all, Popova flew 852 combat missions, including 18 during one night, and was honoured as a hero of the Soviet Union, one of the nation's highest decorations. Over the course of the war, Popova said, she fought in Belarusia, Poland and Germany. In 1942, she was shot down, but she survived and ended up living to the age of 91. Whoa! So she wasn't lying when she said to her navigator... We're going to live long lives. We will live long. Uh, Decades after the war, she reflected on the perils she'd endured, saying, At night sometimes, I look up into the dark sky, close my eyes, and picture myself as the girl at the controls of my bomber. And I think, Nadja, how on earth did you do it? (laughs) (laughs) So sick. I was a big, big fan. Uh, Sadly, the founder of the Night Witches, Marina Raskova, who we talked about before, one who jumped out of the plane into the snowstorm. Yeah. Unfortunately, she didn't share the same luck as Popova. And on January the 4th, 1943, she died. According to the female soldier, she died while attempting to lead two other P2s to a safe airfield. She was forced into making a forced landing on the Volga Bank, which resulted in the deaths of the entire bomber crew. Raskova received the first state funeral of the war, and her ashes were buried in the Kremlin Wall beside those of fellow pilot Polina Osipenko. She was posthumously awarded the Order of Patriotic War First Class and the regiments she created continued to serve for the duration of the war. Wow. As the war was drawing to an end, the squadron's last flight took place in early May of 1945. According to Holland at the time, the night witches were within 60 kilometres, approximately 37 miles of Berlin. Three days later, Germany officially surrendered. Altogether, they flew more than 30,000 missions in total, or about 800 per pilot and navigator. That's awesome. The pioneering all-female 588th Night Bomber Regiment dropped more than 23,000 tonnes of bombs on Nazi targets, and in doing so, they became a crucial Soviet asset in winning World War II. Uh, Some of the targets they damaged or destroyed include 17 river crossings, 9 railways, 2 railway stations, 26 warehouses, 12 fuel depots, 176 armoured cars, 86 prepared firing positions, and 11 searchlights. And a partridge in a pear tree. (laughs) The grimmest Christmas carol ever. (laughs) Uh, Plus, they also made 150 supply drops for food and ammunition to Soviet forces. Holland continues... They lost a total of 30 pilots, which think about all the... If, if it's true that they had 1,200, it's a pretty good record. Yeah. yeah. Although, no, I think 12 across the three, so it would be 400. But even if it's 30 out of 400... Yeah, considering how dangerous their missions absolutely, are. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but you, like I say, I'm not 100% on these numbers. They do vary a little bit. Um, but Hol- if you take Holland's numbers, yeah, it was 400 and I take only Holland's 30. Numbers. I take Holland's numbers. History.com. Yeah. 
Holland's not here to fuck about. Yeah, yeah. not horse manure dot fanny. <laughs> horse manure dot fanny. <laughs> Don't forget the sound I made. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that was a hard one for them to get. Very hard to Google that one. Horse manure dot fanny. So they lost a total of 30 pilots and 24 of the flyers were awarded their title Hero of the Soviet Union. They were feared and hated so much by the Nazis that any German airman who downed one was automatically awarded the prestigious Iron Cross Medal. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. The, yeah. That, that's how scared they are of these tiny little women in their little shitty planes. Made of wood. That, you know, oh, women can't fly planes and shouldn't be fighting, but they're so scared of them that if you shoot one down, you're automatically a hero. Incredible. That's so great. How scared they are of you. Amazing. Uh, despite, this is a slightly grimmer finish to it, despite being the most highly decorated unit in the Soviet Air Force during the war, the Night Witches Regiment was disbanded six months after the end of World War II, and when it came to the big victory parade in Moscow, they weren't included because it was decided their planes were too slow. So they're like, oh, we're doing a big celebrated parade, but yeah. Well, how fast is the parade travelling? <laughs> It's a parade. It's a parade. They're all slow. Yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought that was very strange. Or put them in it, just put them in a car. Yeah, let them. Put them in the back of a Toyota Hilux. walk along. Yeah. Because in my head, I'm like, I think if if a war had just finished like that and you had this such a successful sort of mysterious regiment, you wouldn't want to give away what, what their planes were and people see them in the light and go, oh, we we probably should have been able to knock them out of the sky. But you couldn't. But so maybe you'd be like, oh, if they wanted to keep the secret, fair enough. But just surely just let them march. Them. Yeah, put them on the back of a truck or something. How strange. Well, that, that says Holland wrote it. And I, yeah, it did sound like... I saw another article did say that the squadron continued on. But I, I read multiple ones saying that, yeah, months after the war, they were disbanded. Um, hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, the, you know, the, the amount of medals that were won by... The women involved is ridiculous. The leader, she had this. I mean, I, I could read them all out, but there's like seven different high medals, including one that she's the only woman woman to ever win one. Wow. Um. Yeah. I wonder what you do with your life after that. You know, like just going, going, and like I don't know, getting an average nine to five job and living in the suburbs, and which is nothing wrong with that life. But, but it'd be a come had, down. Totally. Yeah, but then you look up at the sky one day and go, how did I used to do yeah. that? Nadia, how did you do what it? the hell? That's wild. There were some of them uh, went into chemistry and were like in science and yeah. these sort of things. But yeah, it, it, you know, as, cool. as uh, exciting and as uh, high octane as science can be day to day, it's probably not quite the same as Pretty bombing Nazis. rock and roll. Yeah. Slightly warmer Better hours though, though yeah. hey? Oh, yeah. You know, because when it gets dark, day is over, night time, not <sighs> night over, night time. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, better hours. It's taken taking a while to get used to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless they went into night shift work at a supermarket. Oh, yeah, that could work. Or like nursing. Yeah. Do a lot of shift work. That's true. Um, Maybe a hotel concierge. Yes. Yeah, that would work quite well for them. Doing the night shift. Yeah, specifically. <laughs> oh, sun's up, night time. <laughs> uh, just as a final note, unbelievably, Dave... You might be able to help me with this. How many of our previous topics have the Swedish metal band Sabaton made songs about? Because I think it's at least a few. We yeah. had the Unkillable Soldier. Yes. 
And there, there's one about the Great War, World War One, and I reckon there was another one. But add was to the do list, a, do they do a Cold It's one or maybe a Castle Itter? Maybe. Yes, I reckon that that rings a bell. Well, you can add Night Witches to the Whoa. list. Wow. And I thought I'd finish with the lyrics because they're pretty fun. I mean, you know, pretty badass. Right. And I, I don't know if this is a good band or not. I've never really listened to them. But, but we could go see them live. Did you know that they're playing? Oh, we're going to a festival they're playing at. The festival the, uh, in December. Yeah, Good Times Festival. Is it? Tism are playing it. Good that Times, one? Good Things. Like no that. effects. Yeah, and Sabaton are up there. It's going to be sick. Uh, hopefully they don't clash because I will be seeing Tism. I've got to tell you that. Over anyone. Yeah. Uh, so here are the lyrics. From the depths of hell in silence, cast their spells, explosive violence. Russian nighttime, flight perfected, flawless vision, undetected. I mean, it's poetry. It's great stuff. Pushing on and on their planes are going strong. Air forces, number one. Somewhere down below, they're looking for the foe. Bombers on a run. You can't hide. You can't move. Just abide. Their attack's been proved. Raiders in the dark. Silent through the night, the witches join the fight, never miss their mark. Canvas wings of death, prepare to meet your fate. Night Bomber Regiment, 588. Oh, that's good. Undetected, unexpected, wings of glory, tell their story. Aviation, deviation, undetected, self-perfected. Foes are losing ground, retreating to the sound. Death is in the air, suddenly appears, confirming all your fears. Strike from witch's lair, target found, come around, barrel sound, from the battleground. Axis aiming high, Rodina awaits, defeat them at the gates. Live to fight and fly. Beneath the starlight of the heavens, unlikely heroes in the skies. Witches to attack, witches coming back. As they appear on the horizon, the wind will whisper when the night witches come. That was beautiful. That was very nice. Sabaton. Sorry, it feels... Maybe that's... <laughs> yeah, that, oh my goodness. That feels wow. more appropriate for how that was performed. Man, I, I gotta tell you, I'm so... I, I don't know why this wasn't a longer episode, because I loved learning about him. Uh, hopefully I didn't talk too quickly, but oh, it just it blew my mind from start to finish. Everything yeah. about him, every single one of the key players was... A bigger ba- badass than the one before. So just cool. ridiculous. Yeah, so so many legends. And I just looked up a picture of them as well. Um, obviously, there's heaps of them, but I've, you know, I've just looked up. Um, and not only are they incredible parts, but they're all hot. Mm. Know what I mean? Because how hot are women? Yeah, that's yeah true. and they are all women. They're all women. That is that's something I didn't mention, but it came up a few times that um, they were sort of um, so a lot of them cut their hair and stuff. And uh, they felt like maybe they were trying to be made into men. So right. they sort of, and, and were also being derided as women. So they're like, yeah, we're women. And they sort of like, they use makeshift pencils that were meant for other things to use as lipstick. They yeah, paint right. flowers on their planes. Yes. And like, yeah, we're women. We're not ashamed of this. Yeah, love that. We're women and badasses. Because you can be both. You can be both. Also, you can be a woman without lipstick, but you know. No, that one's that one's not true. <laughs> that one's not true. You are only a woman if you if if you let a man see you without lipstick. Mm, oh, dearie me. Um, yeah, wild. I love that. They're like, you know, they're like reclaiming it. They're like, well, I can be, a, I can wear lipstick and drop bombs. Mm. Whatever. Love that. That's feminism, baby. Yeah. Whatever you want to be. So I think, uh, yeah, the voters 
nailed that. That's great. I was not expecting that at all. Do you know what I was thinking? I was thinking this was going to be some kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Like an occult Cryptid thing or, or something? Cryptid. Oh, yes. Is that what I'm thinking of? Yeah, like, like a, a, a Bigfoot type thing. Yeah, totally. I was like, oh, okay, cool. This will be some sort of thing that people swear they've seen. No, right. that was, so that's what I was expecting and I was all for it. But what it was instead was one of my favorite stories, badass women. Yeah, sick. Um. Awesome. So, yeah, thanks to all that big chunk of people who suggested it. Fantastic suggestion. Uh, well, that brings us to everyone's favorite section of the show where we spend a little bit of time, 30 to 40 minutes, uh, thanking our great supporters on patreon.com slash pod. Head to that uh, website if you want to get involved. There's a bunch of different levels, different uh, rewards depending on the level. Bob, what are some examples? Uh, you can get uh, early access to tickets to the live shows that we do. You get three bonus episodes per month. Um, uh, you know, once a year we send out Christmas cards as well, which you could get, which is kind of cool, and other stuff. That's right. So much stuff. Oh, and the Facebook group. Oh, the nicest corner of the internet. A beautiful area. Uh and one of the other things, uh, one of the other rewards, if you're on the Sydney Scheinberg level, you get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question. And uh, this section has a little jingle. It goes something like this. Fact, quote, or question. Ding. Always remembers the ding, always remembers the jingle. And uh, if you sign up on this level, you can give us a fact, quote, or a question, or a brag, or a suggestion. Um, you also get to you get to vote in multiple topic polls, uh, and you get you know the bonus episodes, all sorts of things. Uh, but this section, the fact quota question, I'll read four out each week. I don't read them until I read them. And this week, uh, the first one comes from Stephen Carter, and each of them also gets to give himself a title. Stephen gives himself the title of King of All New Zealand Immigrants. Sorry, King of All New Zealand Migrants Who Moved to Australia Cause YOLO. <laughs> Okay. All right. I haven't heard YOLO and Yonks. Yeah, it's been too long. Thank you so much for bringing it from New Zealand, aka the past, and <laughs> uh, a little fun there. Just I love a bit New of Zealand. Fun. Honestly, one of my favorite countries I've ever visited. Beautiful place. Love it. Want to be there now. I love, like, genuinely, I've been there twice. Once I traveled around the North Island for a couple of weeks, saw the Saints play the first game oh, yep. in Wellington. Yep. Got done. Doesn't matter. Didn't let it get me down. And then another trip. <laughs> Down to the Southern Island. Beautiful. And I'll, I'll, I'm like the Northern Island. I'm like, I've never seen such beautiful country. And then the Southern Island said, hold my beer. Yeah. While I kick you in the dick with my beauty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I drove around. I the- spent the whole <laughs> the whole trip going. Oh. So <laughs> one time um, driving the South Island, we sort of like came over a hill and we could see a lake and it was just turquoise, like just the color. And mm. I screamed. I literally mm. oh, screamed. Yes, I remember that there were multiple lakes with that colour. But you are afraid of the colour I turquoise. am terrified of it, actually, yeah. So I yeah. had to close my eyes. I was driving. It was, it was a very shriek. dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> oh! <laughs> New Zealand, I think, in a lot of ways, is the future as well. I feel like they're ahead of us in so many ways. In, anyway, in terms of, like, time zone? Uh, time zone. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of sort of other things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Prime Minister is embarrassing. They're, uh, they're uh, rugby union team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're always definitely ahead of us. Uh, okay, so Stephen writes, oh, asking a question here. Hey, team, love your work. Thank you for making my drives home more hazardous as I try to concentrate through uncontrollable laughter. My question is a follow-up to my NRL mascot-based question from years ago. Which AFL mascot slash symbol 
do you think would win in a last mascot standing fight? Uh, and he's offered us a, an answer here. I mean, right off the back of this episode, do you think the Bombers... I was thinking Bombers, bombers are hard to beat. But yeah, then yeah. some of them also like um, seem to have a sort of mythical power. You like the Giants... You know, if mm. the giants are so big that they're, you know, they're just like plucking the bombers out of the sky. Yeah. Or like, like the suns. Oh, yeah. Gold Coast suns. That's where all, like, all energy comes from, the sun. That's right. And they're not just one sun. It's they're suns. the suns. But then there's also the Geelong cats. That's true. Dan. And we cats don't know how many be, cats. Cats can be pretty tricky. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've got so, nine lives and, yeah. and they haven't given us a limit. It's plural cats. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess it's if also you, plural giants. It was yeah. all, but if it's all the giants that you know of versus all the cats that you know of, oh, good point. there's a lot more. Cats. Andre's dead. Is Sorry, there any Andre. Others? But what about dockers? Oh yeah, yeah. They'll um, yeah, a couple of guys on the docks. You know, yeah, they're pretty rough and they're rough. Yeah, strong. Big picket lines. Yeah, yeah you don't want to be a scab. So, <laughs> so am I thinking of the right thing? Painters and dockers union. They're pretty tough back in the day, I believe. Oh yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, I'm gonna say. Suns. Okay, Suns. You can't. You couldn't blow up the sun, could we? Uh, With a bomb. No. So I'm going to say the sun could beat a bomber. Unless you could mix the giants and the bombers and make the giant bombers, but you can't do that. That wasn't. That that wasn't in the rules. rules. (laughs) What about the Saints, my boys and girls? What about them? Well, I mean, they're they're dead. Well, they're undead, aren't they? Dead. So they're useless. Wait, Saints. Yeah, they are dead people, and aren't they're they? like, what can a saint do to the sun? But don't they? They they perform miracles to become saints. So I don't know. If... But what can they do to the sun? Um, blot it from the sky, <laughs> smote it. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm saying sun. All right, I'm gonna lock in cats. <laughs> Okay, they're yep. very tricky. They are, they and there's are. all different breeds of cats. There's so you many. get lions and tigers. Yeah, cop that, Richmond. Yeah, you get them all. That's the clever. The the clever players to say cats, not tigers or lions. Yep, got them all. Um, you even get ligers. Terrifying. And Whoa. tigrons. That's um, pretty full on. So, uh, as we always uh, encourage, Stephen has answered his own question. But saying, you didn't. You didn't answer. Well, I said that. I said the saints, but yeah, Jess has made a good point. Um, that only works if you believe in them. Your loyalty to the saints has, you know, hasn't helped you <laughs> <laughs> in your entire life. Yeah. Uh, so Stephen writes, my money would be going on the demons oh. with the power giants and bombers making up the top four. Saints scraping in for fifth. Sorry, Matt. But what is power? Power. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. the thing. It's all. What I mean, power? that's pretty broad, isn't it? Yeah. Do they, what's their mascot? Uh, lightning bolt. Okay. No, but lightning can't take out the sun. No. Or kill all Nothing the cats. Can. The small cats and lightning bolts. More cats than lightning bolts. What if the power like trapped them in a big ditch? Okay. Okay. Hmm. If if and if there was a mascot for the ditch, like the Hobart because they are the port power. They they could trap all the cats in the port, port Adelaide in the oh port. Oh my god, are you drowning a bunch of cats? Well, that I'm not. Matt. I'm not doing that. Matthew. I think he's right, demons. It's hard to beat demons, right? Well, what can demons do to the sun? <laughs> <laughs> I think I demons as being nighttime creatures as well. They'll, they'll be afraid of the sun, yeah. if anything. Uh, he's given us the full list in order um, of preference, if you want to hear it. Either way, I'm reading it. Uh, so, oh, no, he's gi- sorry. He's just given us the list of team names. We worked our way through it. 
Well, let, let's go through all the teams just in case you can think of anyone we might have missed. Crows, <laughs> Lions, already Whatever. usurped Covered. by Cats. Uh, blues, if that's sadness. Oh, that could take out the song. Or if that's the music. Mm. It's a very powerful uh, genre. Yeah, again, mm. what can it do no, to it the sun? No, it can't do it in the sun. It's more of a nighttime thing as well. <laughs> magpies, similar to the crows. Yeah. Although they're beautiful if they're the Irish magpies. Oh, yeah. my God. But these, God. unfortunately, are the Australian Australia ones, and they are ugly. Which are great. <laughs> I got swooped by one the other day. Did you? I've First never been swooped, I was a kid. and I'm scared. Yeah. One time, one drilled me in the back of the head as, as a kid on the way to school. They can Did use what? tools. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard that about magpies. Very they clever can. birds. Posable thumbs. Clever bird. Uh, then we've got bombers, dockers, cats, giants, hawks, suns, kangaroos, obviously pretty tough. Demons, power, tigers, saints, swans, eagles, and bulldogs. Yeah, I think we pretty much covered it sun. there. Sun. Sun can take out all of I those. think sun's probably the one. And I don't think that... Did that not even make his... Yeah, that's where he's stuffed up. Demons, power, giants, and bombers. Didn't yeah. even... Yeah, didn't even... Saints. Think I, about sun. <laughs> I think you'd put the suns in and in, to his five, and that top six are levels above everyone else, including Dave's cats, yeah, who are probably on the bottom. Yeah, 100%. What are you talking about? I mean, the birds kittens. will just fly away from them. Easy. And they'll just wait them out. Yeah. Oh, you know, birds. Famously, uh, cats never never get them. You're, are you thinking of Tweety Bird? Yeah, famously never, never gotten by Sylvester. Uh, that's just the first one. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you, birds. Uh, the next one. Thank you, Stephen, for that question. The next one comes from Derek Brigham. Okay, Brigham. Am- amorous meteorologist and oh, oh hello, right. Derek has offered a fact writing the temperature of twenty point five 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 recurring degrees centigrade is very pleasant for a sunny spring day. There's your sun again, just not cold, not hot, just very enjoyable, wonderful for a picnic with a significant other, dining for two in the sunshine. <laughs> What makes it even better is that 20.555 degrees recurring Celsius mm, really? converted to Fahrenheit is 69. <laughs> that is nice. Nice. <laughs> That's fantastic that work, Derek. That's really good. What well, well, temperature is at 20 point? 20.555. Yeah, he's right. 20.5. 20 is a nice mm. temperature. That's a nice day. Beautiful day. I reckon Melbourne's in beautiful. that area today. Today, it's like 22 today. Oh, Just gorgeous. pure sunshine, blue skies. We are missing out on that. I know. We're inside in a dark room. Thank you, Derek. That was fantastic work. Uh, next one comes from Drew Forsberg, aka... The one with the reference to a previous episode, the show, not the concept. <laughs> uh, that's a, a deep cut reference. I called the episode about friends in brackets, oh. the TV show, not the concept. <laughs> um, <laughs> Drew's got a question writing, can Matt Murdoch see why kids love the taste of cinnamon toast crunch? Does that mean anything? Is Matt Murdoch the Simpsons daredevil character? Because I don't no. understand the question. No, that's Lance Murdoch. Lance Murdoch. Does this mean anything to you? Can Matt Murdock see why kids love the taste of cinnamon crunch, cinnamon toast crunch? Uh, Matt Murdock is the uh, alter ego of Daredevil. That's so weird that I said, is that the Daredevil guy from The Simpsons? You're putting something together. And he's he's a blind lawyer because I watched, he was on uh, Mm -hmm. She-Hulk recently. And uh, so the question is, can Matt Murdock see why kids love the taste of cinnamon toast crunch? I'm guessing Cinnamon Toast Crunch is like a breakfast cereal in another country. And that's a... Does that mean anything to you, Dave? Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I mean, it sounds good. I'd eat it. Uh, it's a whole grain cereal you'll love. 
It's got his website, cinnamontoastcrunch.com. <laughs> I'll say slogan. Let's see. Wait, hang on. Here we go. There's a Reddit thing saying, Cinnamon Toast Crunch slogan implies that it's not obvious why anyone would like their cereal. Oh, but what is it? What's the, what is the thing? The taste you can see. Okay. 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 Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So um, I'm sure that this is the snappy sort of <laughs> response Drew was looking oh, no, for. No, sorry, Drew. <laughs> we, we didn't did not, understand any of it. We didn't know who that character is. We also don't have that cereal. <laughs> I've never heard of it. <laughs> now, now that we know the the key elements there, do we have an answer? Can I have the question again? Can Matt Murdock, the Daredevil, see why kids love the taste of cinnamon toast crunch? Lock in A. A is yes. <laughs> Jess, what about you? I'm also looking in A. Yes, can. Yeah. I'm going to say B. Can't. That's how. Great. And the answer is? Uh, C. Oh. All oh, of the above. There you go. Cinnamon toast crunch. <laughs> Thank you very much, Drew. Sorry, Drew. Uh, Finally this week, we've got one from Bracken Markins. Bracken. Okay, Chief Marketing Officer of the Give Your Kids Normal Name Society, a not-for-profit. And Bracken is asking a question, which is, I like my name in most circumstances, but it makes ordering coffee and meeting new people awkward. Once a new co-worker called me Bacon for two full weeks. Your name was Bacon. <laughs> uh, this is Bacon. Uh, oh, hi, Bacon. Makes me wonder if you could have chosen your name, what would it, what would you have picked? Uh, Bracken himself, or Bracken themselves, would go with something like Spencer. Not common, but something you've heard before. Yeah, it's not going to get mispronounced. Yeah, Spencer P. Jones. That's good. Or. Uh, some other Spencer. What's the Spencer who was like, oh, the monkey did a whoopsie in my beret. <laughs> <laughs> who is that? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, the monkey did a whoopsie in my beret. Now, quick question. Could Matt Morgan see the monkey doing the whoopsie? <laughs> where, where, hang on, where's the whoopsie? In the beret. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, what are you talking? No, don't go down a deep. Just answer the question. What would you name yourself? Um, don't go deep trying to find out who this beret wearing. Coolmo D Simpson. Coolmo. Coolmo D. Coolmo D. That was what Bart suggested Maggie should be called. Coolmo D. Coolmo D. Yeah, I think it was Coolmo D was a maybe a, a musician at the time. Dave, what would you name yourself? I'm probably gonna go with Basil. Oh, my God, that suits you. Hello, everyone. I'm Baz. You can call me Basil. Or the other way around. Probably the other way around. <laughs> I'm Basil, but you can call me Baz. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, no, I'd be calling you Basil. Oh, you wouldn't call me Baz? No, you're not a Baz. Because Baz, especially in Australia, is like a Barry. You're not a Barry, but you are a Basil. Oh, Barry's so good. You know, you're, you can also <laughs> be, so you can also be so a good. Colin. Yeah. I think you'd be a good Colin. Basil has a bit of razzle. Basil, Colin. razzle, Basil. Oh. Is a bit Holland, if you know what I mean. I don't, because that's no. not a word. Holland's not a word. Um, Frank Spencer Clark? is the girl. You could also be a Clark. Who's Frank Spencer? Uh, he's the one who wore a beret. <laughs> and a monkey, a did, monkey a did a whoopsie. In <laughs> oh, Betty, the monkey did a whoopsie in my beret. I think it's from like it's from the seventies or something. Right, uh, Matt, you would name yourself. 
Uh, I love, I think maybe my all-time favorite name, it's probably Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. I don't know if you could pull that I off. I don't think there. I could pull it off. Um, I, I love names like Gary, Barry, yeah. Greg. Um, Fleg. Fleg. Uh, there was a recent episode of um, Who Knew It with Matt Stewart where there was a movie called Joe Lemonade, which was quite a good name. Oh, that's a good name. <laughs> you can set your watch to that name. That is good Joe stuff. Lemonade. Yeah, so it's tricky. Uh, what about... Um, Gregory Shenickety. Yeah. New York. 100%. It's hyphenated surname. That's great. That's and beautiful. Jess? Uh, I've always thought um, Jess is a very common name. It's only ever been misheard a couple of times when people over the phone ordering stuff. Where they've been like, Jeff? And I'm like, all right. Um, <laughs> but I've always thought I could I could be a Kate, I reckon. Kate's a great name. It's another name of the era that's quite common. Absolutely, yeah. And I do really like the name Kate. Um but also, like, if I got to choose, I'd go for a fun name like Ginger. Ooh, or Ginger. Like, oh, You know, something fun. I like Jarvis. Jarvis. Jarvis is a good name. Good. Jarvis Cocker. Like, I know there one already exists, but maybe it could be Jarvis Cocker Jr. Jarvis Cocker Jr. That's nice. <laughs> JCJ. That's nice. Yeah. Jarvis Cocker Jr. Or I'd be like a Poppy or a Lily or a something something a bit fun. I reckon mush them all together. Poppy, Lily, something fun. That's nice. Mm. Yeah, that's good. And that's your middle name. Yeah. Now, what's your first name? My last name is Shooting Star, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Uh, and my first name is Lemonade. <laughs> great question there, Bracken. I'm a big fan of Bracken Markins as a name, by Bracken's the way. Bracken's very cool. I'm Cheers. sorry that somebody thought your name was Bacon. I also think I'm bacon- sorry how hard we laughed at that. Come on, Bacon's a good name. I do like Bacon as well. The name and kind of the meat, but, you know. Um. So... Sorry. Sorry. The next thing we like to do is thank a few other great supporters. Normally, Jess comes up with a bit of a game based on the topic at hand. I thought about um what kind of vessel or vehicle they would drive into war. Great. Love that. Great. What do you think? Do we give them a badass uh, regiment name? Oh, if we can. If we can. No promises on that. <laughs> yeah. That'll be a bonus if possible. <laughs> so uh, I've already got one ready to go. First, well, great. Well, I think you you might be thinking of one for from Wilder, Kentucky in the US, Shannon West. Yeah, Shannon uh, floated in on inflatable swans. Oh, yeah. And the regiment, Floaty Magody. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Floaty Magody, love that. No uh, notes. <laughs> I'd also love to thank from good As- luck, boys. Ascot Vale in Victoria, Australia, James Graham. What about uh, the Wiggles' big red car? In the yes. Jargras. The Jargras regiment. Jagra. The Jargras. Because of James Graham? Yeah. And sounds a bit like Fagra. I love that. You love Fagra? No, I love Fagra. <laughs> would have thought that would be far from your That would be far from, <laughs> from, far from my repertoire. <laughs> and finally, I'd love to thank from Bellevue in Western Australia. It's Greg Nelly. A big, big water. How many ends in Nelly? <laughs> Two. I'm on a, on a computer that I don't know how to make the words bigger. Despite it, that is the biggest computer I've ever seen. So, yeah, it's I mean, all right. In comparison, at, the words look so small. Yeah, if you got we're looking bit- at the same Google Doc, you could just um, zoom in. Go zoom again. Up the top, underneath view and insert, there's a view. 
Insert. That's a little number. It says mine says one twenty-five percent, for example. Oh yeah, see, I'm down on, on uh, uh, miniature one hundred percent. Yeah, no, 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 baby, you got to put that on. I'm on one twenty-five as well, just for comfort. I well, can read it at a hundred, but I like to. I've just jumped you. I'm one fifty. How's that? Better? A little better. Okay, great. And so Greg, not as big as Greg the report. Nelly. <laughs> Greg yep. Nelly. What is Greg Nelly rolling a into war? being oh, carried by that's great. six oiled up men. Yes. Wow. And his regiment is called the Oily Doilies. The Oily Doilies. I love it. That is a bit of fun. Um, may I think some people? Please. I really wish you would. I would <laughs> From Stockport in Manchester. Oh, hello. I'm from Stockport. I would Wait, like- do it. What's one of the Gallagher's? I don't know. You do. Noel. Noel. Yeah, now do Noel's voice. <laughs> Not the question you're asking, okay? Yeah, I don't know how they talk, but they would talk with that accent. Well, you you love Morrissey. How does he sound? No, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Like that. There it is. And that is also what Sam Lacey sounds like. Sam Lacey rolling in on a coffin on wheels. Ooh, with a little steering wheel little on steering it. steering wheel, but also, like, it doesn't even have an engine. It's just, like, people are bowling them in like a bowling ball, but, like, yeah. pushing. Like, it's like a luge type thing. They have, the war has to be at the bottom of a hill. Yeah, it's perfect. It's so interesting you said that because people did dub, or some people have since dubbed the Night Witches balsa wood airplanes. The plywood, not balsa wood. Um plywood airplanes as coffins with wings that's amazing yeah wow. well this is a coffin with wheels sam lacy uh and obviously sam lacy is one member of the tree boy big boys because of the coffins i don't know i don't know how my brain works <laughs> tree boy big boys i think it's because i'm there's a lot of green on my screen <laughs> <laughs> tree boy big boys <laughs> Uh, so thank you, Sam. But boy, it's not obviously not a boy-only thing. It's weird they named it that. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's an ironic title. Anyone is welcome in the Tree Boy Big Boys. I would also love to thank from location unknown, so we assume deep within the fortress of the moles, Simon Telford. Simon Telford. Well, he's maybe he's, it's got to be an underground thing, mole-related. Uh, what about? A land submarine. Oh, I love it. Have we talked about the idea of these before, so they can somehow just move through the dirt like a like a worm. Because apparently, some comic book superheroes can fly underground. I read that just um, re- researching something at some point. <laughs> that is one of the more ridiculous like, things I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, but I guess it's as ridiculous as anything in those things. So it's like, yeah, they can just sort of, I guess, move through the ground and like just this like one. ruin the structural integrity. Integrity of cities. Yeah, or are they yeah. just... Yeah. I mean, Poison and you call yourself a superhero, you're more like a super zero to me. That's right. But anyway, that's what uh, Tommy... <laughs> <laughs> that's what Simon's... Simon's uh, up to. Don't know where I got the name Tommy from. Simon, um, yeah. But his submarine sort of just passes through. No effect on the structure. So it's like a train. No, no, not like a train. Okay. It just moves through like a ghost almost. Wow. You know? That's spooky. Doesn't affect things. And what's the regiment call him, called? Call him a... Ground submarine ghosts, and they're called the ground ghosts. Ground ghosts. Dirty ghosts. The dirty ghosts. Where the dirty ghosts. That's good. That's not bad. Yeah, I like that a lot. Don't fuck with the dirty ghosts. <laughs> thank you, Simon. We're coming up batcha from uh, underneath. I'd also love to thank from Finspang. In, is that Sweden? Yeah, wow. I would love to thank Tommy Svensson. 
Tommy Svensson is uh, coming in on one of those, you know, when sometimes you see like uh, lakes and there's those things that you can pedal those yes, boats on top yep. of them. One of those things, but it's shaped like a swan. Oh, that's nice. So that's I fun. assume that swans are going to be used in the name, Bob. Is that right? No. No? It's the paddle boys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tommy, you got to let us know what Sweden thinks of Sabaton. What are we? What are we dealing yeah, with? You're here? proud of Sabaton? Yeah. Are they big there, or is it like you're not into them? Yeah, yeah. Let us know. Dave, do you want to thank some people? Hey, I would love to thank from Gilliston Heights in New South Wales, James Horn. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. James Horn traveling on a unicorn. Oh, that's good. And there, obviously, the regiment is called the Flippity Flops. Flippity flops. Flippity Here flop. comes Horn on his unicorn. Flippity flop, flop, flop. Horny boys. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know why they say that at the end, but they just do. They Horny just boys. Do. They just do. It just works. They just ant themselves up. You know, they're going into battle. Another person from possibly the Fortress of the Moles. I wonder if they know Simon Telford. This is Michael Pruitt. Michael Pruitt. Who knew it with Michael Pruitt? Uh, Michael Pruitt. Jess, what? What did he come in on? Drones. Again? Drones. Drones. But drones are obviously fairly small, so he's actually he's on all fours. <laughs> and he's got a drone. People <laughs> 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 on his feet. <laughs> the ominous sound they hear before they get a pro at attack is That's funny. And they've called they're called Pruitt Patrol. Pruitt Patrol. Patrol, that's yeah. nice. I'm on Pruitt Patrol. Oh, uh, oh. That's good. Because there's, there's four pilots. Yeah, yeah, like that's the right. The drones are uh, being flown independently. They have to communicate really well. Left? No, them. not that far left. Yeah. Thanks, Michael. And finally, I'd like to thank from North Bay in Canada, this is Catherine McCaskill. Oh, great name, Catherine McCaskill. Thanks, Catherine, Catherine McCaskill. McCaskill. Fantastic. A big ball of cats oh. taped together. <laughs> And is Catherine inside or on top or on top. like sort of like pedal like <laughs> yeah. walking on it? That's awesome. That's a powerful way to enter yeah. a battle. <laughs> and then at any moment Catherine can release the cats. And as you know, Dave, very powerful. Oh my god, cats. Nothing can stop them. <laughs> Certainly stop them. not the sun. They got that, that <laughs> ominous sound. <laughs> Thank you so much to Catherine, Michael, James, Tommy, Simon, Sam, Greg, James, and Shannon. The last thing we like to do is welcome a few people into our Triptych Club, a very exclusive club, a club that you can only enter Mm-mm-mm. and you cannot leave. And the way you get in is by being on the shout-out level or above at patreon.com slash pod for three straight years. Uh, it's a bit of theory of the mind. What's going on here, Bob? What's going on? What's happening? What is what is this? What's going on? What's happening here? Someone out there is listening for the first time and they're going, I don't know what this about? fever dream is. Well, it's an exclusive club um, where it's like, it's a members only club. You can come in, you can have a drink, there's food, there's a bar, there's a dance floor, there's showers. Mm. There's so many different seating options. And you're normally behind the bar and you normally create a, a cocktail based on the names. What's the Night Witch cocktail? Night Witch is... Black, so what Sambuca or something? Oh yeah, it's a. I'm liking it's it a early. Pint of Sambuca. Wow, a pint. pint of I'm not Sambuca. done. It's also got purple glitter inside it. Okay. 
and it's garnished with a little uh, witch on a broomstick figurine. Oh. Are these edible? No. So you're just sipping on a pint <laughs> of Sambuca. Yeah. Black Sambuca. Black Sambuca. Wow. I don't hate it. Can we light it up? No. <laughs> and Dave, you normally book a band <laughs> for the after party? Yeah. Well, it's not just a band tonight. It's an experience. We've got the entire cast of Witches in Britches. <gasps> The Melbourne Theatre Restaurant dropping by to entertain us. Are they still active? I I think I thought I heard that they might have gone out of business. Well, they're coming back for yeah. one night only. Yeah, I've given them a job. I think the, it does say for sale when you drive past. Yeah, was their their most recent show was because they do these parody shows of big yeah. movies and stuff. And and the last one I remember seeing a few years ago <laughs> was called Crazy Rich Witches. A parody of Crazy Rich Asians. But they, the word that rhymed with witches... Yeah, but they couldn't do crazy witch agents, could they? <laughs> but it's, they have a word that rhymes with it. They, could, they probably have to recast. But. Yeah. So I don't think it would... So really, I think that was a good call of them not to do that. At well, least I they just, had some self-awareness to did, go, maybe that's inappropriate. Yeah, but why pick that movie? Oh, yeah, Because that's like else. a big part of the movie. And that movie has nothing to do with witches. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Not at all. It's a it's a rom com. <laughs> well, that wasn't my problem with it, but <laughs> I think oh, okay, I've misread what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so I'm standing at the door. I've got the names of five inductees this week. Episode three sixty nine. Nice. Uh, and so I'm going to read out the names. Dave's up on the stage. He's emceeing. Uh, you know, obviously, he'll later on hand over to the cast of Witches and Britches. Please give it up for rich, Witches in Britches. <laughs> and uh, he's going to hype you up one by one, get the crowd really going. Jess is um, looking after Dave. Jess is Dave's hype man. So uh, she'll sort of keep him on the straight and narrow. But anyway, let's get into it. Here are this week's inductees into the Triptych Come Club. On, Dave. Here we go. If this is your first time, this is high octane entertainment. Yeah, this is the good <laughs> shit. There's, there are flame cannons going off. You've put through. You've put up with an hour and a half of a waffle, waffle, waffle. This is yeah. the good stuff. This is the show. Here we go. The pre-game entertainment is over. Woo! Get ready to rumble. Here we go. From address unknown, can only assume from deep within the fortress of the moles, it's Tim Little. Nothing little about this yeah, guy. Yes, he's a big man. From Yuma, <laughs> Arizona, in the United States, it's Smokey's videos. <laughs> Smokey Doki, <laughs> am I right? He's right. From Hodgton in Georgia, in the United States, it's Colin Hitzges. Oh, the Hitzges just keep on coming. Yes. <laughs> Probably there's silent letters Shut in up, there keep going. from Maura in Queensland, Australia. It's Lisa Yao. Yeah, more like Lisa Yao. <laughs> and from Missagua, Mississauga, from Mississauga in Ontario, Canada, it's Laura Sinclair. Oh, Mississauga. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome in. Let's hear it for Laura, Lisa, Colin, Smokies, and Tim. Woo! Make yourselves at home. Grab yourself an ottoman or other chair. Have a sit. Have a sit. Get ready for the entertainment. Have a sip as well on that big pint of Sambuca. Sambuca. Yeah, I would just sip out of that one. Oh, actually. it's a sipper. It's a I don't think I'm very good at this. <laughs> <laughs> at least, you didn't, at least so- you didn't book the cast of Witches and Britches. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really thinking about moving Dave on. <laughs> Someone's got to give him work. <laughs> no, I think it's great. I think it's fantastic. I never went there, but I was, as a kid, I always loved driving past there. What was 
was the other one? The one that was near Sin. Dracula's. Dracula's. I've been to Dracula's once before because a girl I worked with at the time uh, had a bit of a crush on a, on one of the guys. One the of cast, the Draculas. One of the Draculas. So we went. And it, you know what? It wasn't bad. What did you see? Crazy rich Draculas? <laughs> It's so funny that Melbourne used to be a hot spot for theatre restaurants. Oh, well, now I don't think we have any left. Two? No, apparently apparently there were 32 Get when Tony Martin fucked. moved to Melbourne. 32? Yeah. No Which would have been in the way. 80s. So it was like boom time for... That's awful. I heard that on a recent episode of the Little Dum Dum Club. Right, okay. Tony Martin and Sean McAuliffe as guests. Holy shit. Dave, why don't you ever get us guests like that? Yeah, come on, Dave, you piece of shit. What's wrong with witches and bridges? <laughs> <laughs> you can book anyone. They're Little Dum Dum Club have to actually get the people. You can just make it up. Oh, okay, fine. We'll get McAuliffe next week. No, it's too late. <laughs> no, too late now we've that. had to ask for it. It's not the same. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Anything we need to tell... People just before we go? That they can suggest a topic over on dogoonpod.com. You can also find merch, uh, links to live shows, and uh, find out about all of our other podcasts that we do. Um, And you can find us on social media at dogoonpod as well. Dave, boot at home. Hey, we'll be back next week with the second most voted for topic for Blockbuster Tober 2022. We'll be back then. But until then, I'll say thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Laters. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.